It's time now for Gina Gardner and Friends, the show that shares stories from inspiring people, from a wide range of expert guests, all focused on helping you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. Gina Gardner is a multiple number one international best-selling author, motivational speaker, business coach, and trainer. She's the founder of Genuinely You, and has over 30 years experience of helping people step into their genuine, authentic power, personally and professionally. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. This is a world of possibilities. A world in which people who put their minds to something can really make a difference. My goal is to help the environment. Someday I'll find a cure for cancer. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we believe that aspiring minds can achieve anything. So we dedicate ourselves to making sure everyone has an opportunity to go to college. Each year, we provide more than $150 billion in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about Money for College at studentaid.gov. And now, here's your host, Gina Gardner. Hello there, and welcome to today's Gina Gardner and Friends show. I have an amazing guest today, as always, Melody Garcia. She is an incredible lady, and I feel very privileged to call her my friend. She's one of the seven coaches who's known to maximize human potential. She's a keynote speaker. She's a humanitarian ambassador, and she's done some amazing things. And she's a multimedia personality. Melody, a huge welcome to the show. Thank you, Gina. It's always a pleasure to not only have a conversation with you, but I'm excited to be on your show. So thank you for having me. Oh, it's it's just a privilege. So would you please share with our listeners, tell them your story, because you have an amazing story to tell. Well, thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, so um, it started, as, as we know, with the deepest adversities that we face becomes the catalyst to our, to our purpose right to our impact so you know just a bit of a background i was born in the philippines and my parents were well known in the philanthropy humanitarian and my father was a doctor and and one of those um takes so i grew up in a household that my father used to add value and and give his service for free right to families who were in need of medical help but couldn't afford it so as a little girl he used to take me at least once a month I probably was four years old where he would go to the impoverished areas you know uh, about two hours away from the city we lived in and he would just set up his clinic old school style of medical school right and just see patient after patient after patient and then when he would find out that most of the patients can't even afford surgery he would basically voluntarily waive his medical fees because the one thing he always stood for is he took an oath to help save people's lives and not bleed them dry financially what an amazing man Absolutely. A massive impactor. And probably he was the single-handedly the person that planted this humanitarian seed that grew into massive trees that we're going to talk about. Um, The other thing that he ingrained in me as we traveled back home 
right? And this is something that stuck with me about humility and acts of service is that he always used to tell me every time that, you know, and again, starting at four, he used to tell me, Melody, don't ever let success get so much in your head that you forget to help the people who needs you the most. You know, that's, I believe, such a powerful um, principle to live by. And I think if more people lived by that principle, we would live in a very different world. And, and I love that because it's what shaped the foundations of who yes. I was to become in the future. Now, you know, I grew up in a household, I would say that was comfortable. We had maids, we went to the best private schools and both my parents had that humanitarian philanthropic heart that extended to whoever needs help, we come help you. Yes. Well, we had a distant relative that decided, you know, that was financially struggling from the province that he was living in. So my parents naturally invited him to come live with us in the city so he could find a job to support his family. And that is exactly what he did. Um, this man, who's a, he's a distant relative of ours, came to live with us. And in doing so, you know, hard times, he didn't have a college degree or any of that or, or an edu formal education. He just took whatever job he can, so odds and ends job, to make ends meet. Unfortunately, in, in doing that, he came across government corrupt information. Okay. So for whatever the information he contained, he wanted to... He couldn't hold that information anymore to himself. So he actually set up a meeting with the media. And back in those days, Gina, it's not as easy as accessing television interviews, right? Sure it wasn't. <laughs> now you, you, you can just contact them and say, I want to be interviewed by you. But back in those days, the form of medium for an interview was a radio show. Yes. It was easier to access than being in front of a camera. So he made arrangements for to appear on a, on a radio show. And the day that he was on his way to meet with the radio, uh, to go at the actual radio station, it was intercepted and he was kidnapped by five armed men in front of my mother's place of business, who identified themselves as cops and they weren't. And unfortunately that led to a violent murder. You know, he was murdered for the information on his part. My, and it was a horrific part of our lives because I remember it was like high tension and I could understand as a little girl what was going on. How old were you? I was I was less than I was less than eleven at that point. Right. Because it, it's what significantly changed our lives is that I knew that he was violently murdered. They said that a gunshot wound to the head would have been kind. Um, you know, just for the sake of sensitivity, the radio show. Let's just say that you know, they, he was almost beyond recognition. What they did to him, and my parents had to identify him. Two days, they found him over. Um, basically, he was thrown over a cliff. Oh goodness! So, so whatever information he had contained was threatening enough that it was intercepted. And this kind of things that you think only happens on television, like movies. Yes. Right. It almost sounds so made up, but it happened in reality. But that is what led to us having to disappear because the death threats came my family's way. Whoever was involved in this thought my parents had information because a relative was staying with us in our home that we had no idea we were under surveillance. 
that yeah. must have been incredibly frightening for you, all of you, but particularly for your parents. For my parents, because again, we were kids and so we were protected, right, yeah. from really understanding what happened. And my mother then, you know, as I grew older, then was able to share more of what she went through. But this was psychological tactics that they would show up at her place of business and camp there, that they had pictures of me and my sister saying, if you speak up, the things we can do to them. So it was just, I mean, just, I, I can't even begin to imagine what my mother was going through and what my father was going through. But my recollection as a child was that we were pulled out of school. We were pulled out of school right and yes. go on lockdown for a few days there was just high tension in the air and my last recollection of being home meaning the philippines was being woken up in the middle of the night by maids saying be quiet as they were frantically packing whatever they could put in suitcases or luggages at the time and there was a white man waiting for me my sister my mom and we disappeared that was it when uh, when we emerged so there was no goodbyes to relatives. There was no goodbye to friends. When we emerged, we were in the United States. So even if we've come to the U.S. as tourists before, this is now having to leave everything behind and starting life with absolutely nothing. But the grace of God and the mercy of relatives that we were staying. So imagine as a little girl, I go from having, you know, attending private schools, having my own room, living a life of comfort, but still of service. So now finding myself sleeping on the floor with my sister, sharing the same bedroom with my mother. And this went on for a while. My mother, who was an entrepreneur and corporate manager at the same time, now having to humble herself to find whatever job she can to support her two daughters. And one of my pain points was really realizing what we lost. Yeah. And that I thought it was temporary. And then to come to realization, no, this was a permanent situation. We're never going back home because our lives would be in danger. Right. I can only imagine how that must have been. But I have a parallel in the sense that um, I have recently um, um, opened my home to a Ukrainian refugee. And Irina, who's a wonderful lady, um, she has left her home. She's left everything behind just with a suitcase. Mm -hmm. um, but she's an adult and I know it's incredibly difficult for her. However welcoming I may be, mm -hmm. her life is not, is yeah. not as she would choose it to be. Absolutely. When that happens as a child. It really is so pertinent in terms of how you develop and how you deal with it. You know, seeing my mother go from a, a you know corporate management and an entrepreneur, then seeing her work at 7-Eleven, right, and sweeping gas stations in the middle of the night did something to me. It, it hurt. It was a different type of pain because I could see the pain in her eyes, but it was on a survival mode because she she's now, she was only making $3.25 an hour to support two daughters. And she had to hold another job, which was now working at a grocery store, right? Working at the deli on her feet all day, chopping vegetables and everything. And yet this was a former corporate leader, yes. right? 
you talk about humbling experiences of having to let go. And in fact, I remember asking her, when are we going home? When are we going home? And she sat me down and she said, this is home. You know, this is home. This is the reality. And you're going to have to accept this. You know, keep all the good memories in your heart, but forget everything bad that's happened. Another part that was very challenging for me is that we had to leave my dad behind because he had to shut down everything and make it look normal in a way that we were sort of still there under the radars to protect us, right? So being separated from my father just, and and it was, it was, it wasn't, there was no good. It was like, we were literally yanked because if you look at it, you know, to the parents out there, what would you do? And, and, you know, to protect your children. I'm going to stop you there because we've got to go to a, a short break, but while you're on the break and please don't go away because the story, if you think this is amazing, you haven't heard anything yet. Um, I just want you to consider as you um, go to, as we go to the break, thinking about your life and about actually how lucky most of us are that we don't experience such experiences. So please don't go away. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. I think unless you are a heart disease patient, you may not know how much work the American Heart Association does behind the scenes to save your life. Learn more about the American Heart Association's work at helpheart.org. A delicious cup of coffee is a daily staple. But if you are one of 50 million Americans that suffer from acid sensitivity or digestive issues, that cup of java can ruin the rest of your day. Until now, introducing Tyler's Coffee, an acid-free alternative to the traditional bean. I knew that there was a need because my father had a need. And if my father had a need, then how many other people have a need? The key to Tyler's Coffee is the roasting process. We knew we wanted to go USDA certified organic. So we wanted to be the purest and cleanest coffee in the world. We had to source stuff from Africa. We had to source stuff from Brazil. We had to source stuff from Chile. And we put it through our proprietary Z-roasting processor. So what that really truly means to you is that the coffee doesn't have inflammatory properties in it. I'm dedicated to serving 50 million Americans that suffer from stomach-related modalities and also the millions of other people that just deserve a great tasting cup of coffee that's healthy and safe. Affiliated with Tyler's Coffee, but I can tell you that drinking acid-free coffee will really ease your stomach. I'm so glad I found it. I love their coffee. It's very good. It's very smooth. Uh, the process still keeps the rich coffee flavor without all the acidity of it and uh, really enjoy it. Available in regular or decaf, ground or whole bean, you can enjoy Tyler's Coffee in a drip, French press, espresso, or any of your favorite methods, even the ever-popular K-Cup. Enjoy a fresh cup like never before. Drink different. Drink smart. Drink Tyler's Coffee. Welcome back. Before the break, Melody was sharing the most a horrendous story of how her family life was disrupted. But what I'd like to now focus on is you in your adult life and how you developed your philanthropic work, um, because that in itself, I believe the story is quite miraculous. Yes. Yeah, so fast forward to 2013. I'm now a mom, right? Corporate management. And the Philippines gets hit with a massive typhoon. 
that is known actually to this day as one of the biggest typhoons or hurricanes for those that are listening in the United States area that made landfall at almost 200 miles per hour. And it hits the most devastated, already impoverished areas of the Philippines. And so the loss of life was imminent and it was rising. So, you know, we have seen different types of global disasters. Yes. And But this one, said, this one had a different note because it doesn't matter how long I've disappeared from the country, home was still home and to see the devastation of life. And yet, and I'm going to talk to you, you know, as a Christian woman, for those that are, I'm, I'm faith-based, I'd like to say that, and I respect everybody else's faith, but this one was the call that changed my life, okay. because as I was watching the news, there was something that I just felt, and I would say, I call it the God whisper, right, that I make reference to, the God whisper, that I basically was saying, you know, something told me, stop watching mainstream media, stop. And go on the internet news, and at that time, nothing was censored from the Philippines. So I did follow that that um, intuition, as I'd like to say it, and came across the news. It takes that one story to mm-hmm. bring you to your knees in, in tears, and that's what this is. This story was coming across the news of a mother who lost her children, her husband, her entire family. But again, uncensored, I was watching this woman hold two of her babies who were less than five years old, lifeless in her arms. You know, and this is a a mother's pain. I could instantly relate and I can't even fathom what this woman's going through. That when she told her story that they couldn't even bury her children because of the amount of debris and it took three days for help to arrive. So she lost her husband, she lost her children, probably the rest of her family, every single belonging. And she had one question, why would God allow her to survive? It was a very valid, valid question. It is, and I'm sure there are many people who have been through disaster who will have asked the same thing. And it's the vulnerability of that human moment of God, where are you and why me? And why did why did you have to spare me? Because now I'm left with memories, yes. painful memories at that, right? At that height of the devastation. It was enough that Gina, it, it, I literally, I found myself on my knees crying so hard because I could feel this woman's pain on that loss, right? And I remember saying a prayer of just very simple, nothing eloquent of saying, help me help them and activate every single gift you have given me to help me reach them. And then I went to bed crying. And then I woke up the next day with just this idea of, wait a minute, Melody, you sing. Why don't you put a small cabaret concert together that can help people instead of just handing a $20 bill to the Red Cross or anything like that, right? I wanted to do something more impactful so you know it was very interesting for the interest of time because i want to focus on the big elements that's happened since then that idea with that epiphany and remember that prayer that i said activate all the gifts you've given me sometimes be careful what you pray for because god (laughs) will answer in the most tremendous ways it doesn't right. in the most tremendous ways and here i am finding myself in situations that an idea that I had 
paved the way for miracles to happen. So I take it to Facebook. This was in 2013, calling all singers. Whoever wants to sing with me, I want. I have an idea to put a small cabaret concert together. You know, within 24 hours, I had a flood of messages saying, we'll sing with you. We've heard of you. And I said, no one's getting paid. And they're like, that is perfectly fine. And then two days after that, amen, I said, now I need a nonprofit to partner up with. A nonprofit absolutely jumps in and said, sure. How many people are you planning on inviting? For some reason, this God whisper kept saying the number 20. And I said, 20. And they're like, that's it? And I said, well, it's 20 more people that can donate more than I can. Okay. The third day from that amen, and the reason why I'm saying, you know, it's pivotal, I point back to that that moment where I said, when I said that prayer, is because now I needed a venue. Understand that the venues were very expensive um, facing the holidays, because this happened around 2000, like November was the storm, yes. right, the hurricane. Now it's facing into December and every single venue is either booked or wanted thousands and thousands of dollars, which to me, if I had it, then it'd be easier to just give that instead of trying to put this event together. Absolutely. Right. So I take it to Facebook. Facebook and I have this relationship of miracles is what I call it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I put out a plea if there's anybody who knows of any venue Here's my plan is to put together a little humanitarian benefit concert. You know, three people who did not know each other gave me the same pastor's name. Okay. There's no such thing as coincidence. I don't believe there is anything such thing as coincidence. Right. So, And there's a saying that says, you know, coincidence is the result of a God wink. Oh, I've never heard that before. I like that. (laughs) So... I called this pastor, told him my plan, and he even said to me, Melody, I have a very small church that only holds 200 people. And I said, Pastor, I'm only trying to get a room for 20 people plus the singers. And he said, why 20? And I said, I don't know. God keeps telling me 20. Okay. So he said, give me 24 hours. Let me see what I can do. And I'll never forget this feeling, Gina. He called me while I was at my corporate job at that time. And he said, I have great news. I found a venue that's going to be sponsored 100%. So no money's coming out of anyone's pocket. And of course, my first question is, does it hold 20 people? <laughs> and, and, he said, and he said, dear girl, you've been given a concert auditorium that has 650 seats for absolutely no cost. It's 100% sponsored. Here I was in shock. How can I have put together something in 72 hours? This has been unheard of. It takes months to prepare for benefit concert. And yet somehow I had singers. I had a venue and a nonprofit in 72 hours. Okay. And the outcome? At no no cost, right? So within, let's just say, let's fast forward to three weeks. Every single sponsor that before I could even think of was provided. And this grew and grew and grew because I started getting um, messages from people I didn't know of saying, help us. You seem to be popular. Our parents' last name, loan location was this. Help us. We're starving. The government ration is one can of sardines, two pounds of rice to feed a family of six to eight. Imagine my lack of sleep and a lot of tears. I'm hearing sure. humanitarian calls. 
end result, the reason why God kept saying 20, right? Because nearly 650 people showed up for this, by the way, just by word of mouth, just by miracles. Brilliant. Is that One Night, One Voice is the name of the benefit concert ended up saving, not just serving, saving over 20,000 lives halfway around the world from the country I disappeared from. And in fact, one of the pivotal messages I received was from a recipient of something called CNN Hero of the Year, right? Which is a huge humanitarian benefit award that's given by CNN, yes. which is syndicate station, who wrote to me and said, oh, hero of your country, rise up. Your people need you. Imagine getting that message. And it took me back to the time that I had to disappear from this country because of government corruption, and now being charged with the message to rise up because my people need me. And, There's something and, very biblical about that, is there not? I, yes, I had my Joseph moment <laughs> <laughs> of having to be removed from, from, from the nucleus of my culture, right, and to emerge into something that had access to be able to get to help them. And and to to just think that that one little benefit, it's like the little engine that could, right? <laughs> that I'm, I'm, I was in a big name at that time. And then to have the end results, the data, pictures, videos, testimonials, seeing boots on the ground work, how that even connected halfway around the world. And to find out that it actually saved over 20,000 lives was the beginning of that destiny call. It's an amazing story. We've got to go to a break now. What I'm interested in in the few minutes that we have after the break is exploring, well, that was 2013, and I know you've never stopped. What's going on now? So don't go away. Melody's going to share with us the amazing things that she's up to now, because ultimately at heart, being a humanitarian making a positive impact on the world and helping people is who she is. So don't go away. We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Welcome back. So Melody, what now? Where are you now? What have you been up to? And what are the plans? And I know that time is very short. So I'm going to have to ask you to give me the abridged version and knowing that actually that's just the tip of the iceberg. So the tip of the iceberg, I thought 20,000 was pretty special. And it was my end all be all. And I went back to corporate life. But no, that was the joke. 20,000 was the beginning. By 2016, I created UNICEF Unite Orlando, which is an advocacy team that represents 192 countries in children wow. global advocacy, right? So 20,000 was a drop in the water. It was, it was the practice ground. Okay. So over the last, since 2016, I have led my team here in the state of Florida to meet with Congress, the least bit political person, found herself in the steps of Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., meeting with members of Congress from, you know, senators and congressmen to advocate for children's rights on different platforms, which I'll be talking about. I also ended up leaving the corporate life in 2018 to, to launch into this roller coaster ride called an entrepreneur, 
Yes, right? I know it well. <laughs> and I was like, what structure do I have? None. Perfect. Let's go on this up and down motion. But it opened up speaking platforms. So I became an internet, a multiple award winning um, international spe keynote speaker and have shared speaking platforms based on social conscious leadership. Right. Yep. Which means it's serving from the trenches to the global stages of charging people, charging that accountability of stepping up into their ethics, morality, and true sense of leadership that was founded by my father's teachings on me. Never let success get so much in your head that you forget, right? You forget to serve the people who need you the most of bridging those gaps. It's a conversation I would like to carry on and I'm sure you're gonna be back on the show, but I am very conscious of time. Yes. So where can people get hold of you? So you can find me on Facebook under Melody Garcia. You can find me on Instagram at Melody Garcia VIP. Right. And you can find me on melodygarcia.org. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you as listeners for joining us. I'd love to hear from you. Please email me at Gina, G-I-N-A, at genuinely-you.com, or you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on LinkedIn. But thank you very much for joining us. Please spread the word because for every hundred listeners, we donate a meal um, and love to know what you think of the show. Melody, once again, thank you very much for joining us today. And it is my absolute pleasure to always be on this show, Gina. I mean, what you're doing is a beautiful impact. And at the end of the day, that's the legacy we live. How deep have we served humanity? Thank you. Absolutely so. So take care and we'll see you on the next show. Thanks for listening to Gina Gardner and Friends, the show that helps you live a happier, more successful and fulfilling life. To learn more about Gina Gardner, go to genuinely-u.com. If you would like to work with Gina or book her as a speaker, email her at gina at genuinely-u.com.